Welcome to the Nomads of Tomorrow podcast. I am your host, Juan. For today's segment, I will be pretty much explaining to you what the Nomads of Tomorrow podcast is going to be about and also introducing myself and explaining to you why I came up with this idea. Now, if you don't know what the definition of a nomad is, it is a person who does not stay long in the same place, a wanderer. Now, I consider myself a nomad not just because I travel from time to time, but also because I am a wanderer. Now, the reason I say I'm a wanderer is because I'm still searching for what I am supposed to do in life. What is the reason of me being here? What is my legacy? There was a point in time where I felt like I didn't belong anywhere, and I was lost. Not knowing what to do, not knowing where to be, or not knowing if I should actually call this place home. So, to get started, again, my name is Juan. I'm 27 years old. I was born in Los Angeles out of a family of five. My mom and dad have been married for... 28 years. I am the oldest of three. I have a brother and a sister. Growing up, I surrounded myself with books, comics, cartoons, technology, and of course, video games. Yes, I am a nerd. As I grew older, I found a calling when it came to art. And I wanted to be a part of it in some way. So... My parents being supportive as they are, they went ahead and bought me my first easel and a canvas and a bunch of paints. I wasn't that good. I could draw a bit, but somehow I never wanted to give up on it. But of course, painting wasn't the precise calling that I was looking for. But I still wanted art to be a big part of my life. Just didn't know what. I still remember my parents spending hundreds of dollars on art supplies. I don't know if you guys remember that big black like box that came with like a bunch of different markers and it came with colored paint as well and I think it also came with pastel crayons. Oh, that was my favorite. I think they bought me like 3 of them. Now when high school came around, that's when I actually found my calling of what type of art I wanted to pursue, which was photography. The reason behind it was because I met two photographers by the name of Betty and Lawrence. They were part of a photography studio that they personally owned by the name of Hill Street Studios. The day I met them was actually in my English class. They were there to take pictures of us doing our work, reading, and of course, gossiping with each other. I remember when they showed me the pictures after. I was just amazed at the amount of detail they had captured. I had asked them what type of camera they were using, and they explained to me it was a DSLR. Now this was the first time I ever heard of the term DSLR. I was just familiar with the disposable cameras that my parents would use and an old film camera that we used to have. So I did my research and I did the next thing that I had to do, which was save my money to buy one. During that time I saved my money, I found another calling when it came to art, and that was graphic design. For that, I have to thank Miss Miller. She introduced me to what's called Adobe InDesign and Illustrator. From there on, 
I took it upon myself to learn a little bit more about graphic design. I took books out of the library and also did my research online. Who would have known that these two seeds that were planted, which was photography and graphic design, would fast forward me to today. When it comes to my business, I go under the name of Orozco, which is spelled A-R-O-S-E dot C-O. If you say it fast enough, that's actually my last name, Orozco. But of course, spelled differently. Now in my business, we provide services to those who want to start a business or have a business already. We do graphic design, photography, and videography for them. Now before I landed on the business that I have today, it took a lot of time, a lot of patience, and the ability to not give up. I didn't know what I wanted to do, whether it was just to stick to photography, stick to videography, or just stick to graphic design, not one as a whole. I did projects here and there for a couple of my friends, but that was it. I didn't want to expand. I just looked at it as a hobby, not as a career. When it came to all my work, I had a lot of friends support me and believe in me and push me every day. But at that time, that wasn't actually the help I needed. Of course, towards my career, I needed help in some other way. In the beginning, I didn't seek for help. And I should have, because I had a lot of people that cared about me, around me. But at that point in time, I was blind. And I felt like no one did. To backtrack where it all started, it's going back to high school. During that time, I lost someone very near and dear to my heart, which was my great-grandfather. Before his passing, I had already experienced one or two funerals. All I understood that when you're born, someday you will die. And that was the circle of life. I didn't understand or didn't know the type of pain that would bring you. And that day I felt it. An emptiness. A hole growing bigger and bigger. And that's when I started to have a fear of death. I stopped taking risks. I was mad all the time. And I didn't understand why. And it made me more angry. It made me rebel against my parents in a way... It hurts to explain. I could honestly say it was a very dark time for me. Time passed and I felt like I was getting better. I was happier. I had a different outlook on life. And I was ready for it. As time passed by, I started taking risks again. I wanted to better myself in my craft. So I continued to do photography and graphic design. I started to do little projects here and there. I would go to car meets with my cousin Osmar and take pictures of the cars that were shown that day. Also did some video as well. I would do photo shoots with my friend Jan. I would help my friend Jesse when it came to graphic design for everything for his brand and his music. And for a time being, it's all I pretty much needed. I had the support of my friends and for me to continue on with what I love to do. When it came to 2017, at the end of the year, I decided that I wanted to do a YouTube channel. And this YouTube channel was going to be dedicated to me traveling. 
not just out of the country, but anywhere where I thought was just amazing to go shoot. Places that I still wanted to visit and places that other people would recommend me to go. Now when 2018 came, I was really excited because in 2017, I had made a goal for myself to travel to Dubai. So when 2018 came, I was super excited and ready for the new year. But expect the unexpected. I take that quote seriously now because I wasn't prepared for what was yet to come. In January, I got the news that my godson had passed away. His name was Alex Romero. When he passed away, he was only 22 years old. A lot of my friends and family would sometimes wonder how I had a godson that was about my age, which was only five years apart at that time. And the reason behind it is because I was actually his confirmation teacher. I still remember like it was yesterday. He was so bright and had so many questions for me that sometimes I'd get stuck and I had to actually do research because I didn't know what the answer was. I also was very fond of him because of another reason. He had an admiration for Archangel Michael, which so did I. I remember when I came to doing a saint report, which is like a required final for when you do your confirmation. And of course, he chose Archangel Michael. Now, when it came to the saint report, we only required it to be two pages long. He did four pages, explaining to me the history behind Archangel Michael and why he had an admiration so great for him. As time passed, we always kept in touch, of course. I still remember the day he told me he wanted to become a Marine. I was scared yet excited for him. I knew this was going to be a, a big step forward in his life. But in the end, of course, I was happy and even prouder to call him my godson. I remember telling him that if Archangels retired, I'm pretty sure he'd be the one that replaced Michael. It was a few weeks before his passing that I had spoken to him. He had mentioned to me that he was getting married. And I was shocked because he's so young, but at the same time I was really happy for him. I remember him telling his plans that he was going to come back mid-year and look for a house for himself and his wife. And that was the last time I spoke to him. Again, this void began to grow inside of me. What I tried so hard to repair was broken once more. And I was afraid. And the fear kept growing and growing and growing to a point where most of my days I just felt sad. I remember hearing the term being depressed, but for some reason when that word came into play, I just I, I just took it upon myself that, hey, I, I know I'm sad because of what I'm going through and what I went through. I'm not depressed. March came along and I took my trip to Dubai and it was amazing. When I came back, I had all this footage that I was ready to edit and just so happy to start this uh, YouTube channel. And then April came around. Even me thinking about that month just, just makes me wish it wasn't true. In April, I lost someone I was in love with at one point in my life. 
she had the biggest heart, was so motivated and so driven, not only for her own success, but to help others, always. Her name was Jeanette. I remember the first day of meeting her was thanks to her cousin Vidi. We talked here and there, and then slowly progressing, we went on a few dates. Our biggest date landed us in Seattle. It was my first time visiting, and hers as well, and we were super excited. We made a whole list of everything that we wanted to do in the city. I remember every time I told her to pose for a picture, I actually filmed a few seconds before that. Whenever we went to a different location in the city, I always asked her to take her picture. So me doing this a few times, I gathered a lot of few second clips of her. I was preparing a surprise for her. When we got back to LA and we went our separate ways, her of course going to her house and me going to my home. She asked me what was my favorite part of our trip. I remember not replying to her for about an hour and a half to two hours because I was busy using all the clips to make her a video. And of course you could guess what I said next. You were my favorite part of our trip, is what I told her. And then I sent her the video. A reason why she was a big part of my life in so little time was because she pushed me. She always motivated me to pretty much continue what I was doing with my graphics and my photography. I remember her scolding me for little things about me giving up on certain projects or everything. A big way she helped me was actually allowing me to help her on her project, which is called In Love With Life. In Love With Life is a nonprofit organization she came up with. It still exists in her honor and is meant to help the less fortunate and also single mothers. Sometime after, things didn't actually work out between us, but it was for the best. At that point in time, like any other breakup, it hurt. We took some time to cool off and we decided to talk once more, but just to get closure. And we kept in touch here and there. But slowly and gradually, we stopped talking for some time. Looking back at the day we broke up, I'd rather have felt that pain a thousand more times than to feel the pain of what was yet to come. The day I heard about her passing wasn't from her family. Someone had heard it on accident. And... They reached out to me and mentioned to me to stay calm and to not go looking for the answer to see if it was true. I remember being freaked out and afraid because I really, really hoped it wasn't true. But for some reason, I, I still wanted to find out for myself. I remember wanting to contact her cousin, but I couldn't. I didn't know how to say it, how to type it, or what to do. That night, I couldn't sleep. I didn't want to eat. I was just lost. Finally, I made the decision and I looked 
on Facebook. And I went to her mom's page. And there I found out that it was true. The next day, I went to work in the morning. Before going in, I talked on the phone with her cousin. I was hearing everything she was saying, but I also heard another sound, a sound of a heart flatlining. I still couldn't believe it. I still wished it wasn't true. The day her funeral came around, I was still in disbelief. I was still shocked. I remember every time I had a chance to be in my car and drive, I would just cry and cry and cry. Seeing her family gathered around, I knew we all felt the same thing, wishing that it wasn't true. The night after her funeral, I was going crazy. I couldn't be home. I needed to see my family. My mom and dad were up north because the next day, my sister was actually going to graduate. So I packed a bag, I left my place around 9 p.m., and I just drove, blasting music through my speakers, hoping to drown out the sound of me crying. When I got to my sister's place in Sacramento, I surprised my mom, my dad, and my sister. They didn't know I was coming, especially at that time. Of course, like any parents, they called me crazy. What was I thinking? I could have gotten hurt. And of course, other scenarios I could have been in. At the moment seeing them, I felt happy. But inside, there was this dark void growing even more. It took me back to when my godson passed away. And then her passing just added more to it. And I kept growing and growing and growing. The words being depressed came into mind even more. And I didn't know what to do. When August came around, I already had a few months coping with everything. But then one morning, I woke up to a wet feeling in my mouth and my pillow. I held my hand to my mouth. And I reached out and looked, and there was blood. I ran to the restroom to wash everything off, and then I went to the hospital. When I was there, I, of course, I told them what happened, and they put a mask over me as soon as they could. They thought that I had tuberculosis. They explained to me what it was, and told me that I had to quarantine myself until my test results came back. So they sent me on my way, told me not to get close to any people. When I was home, I received the call. They let me know that I wasn't tuberculosis. So I was like, okay, then what is it? They asked me if I could go to the doctor's office the next day in the morning. And I said, sure, that's perfectly fine. And I hung up. After hanging up the phone, I realized, why couldn't they just tell me over the phone what's going on? So I began to think the worst. 
The next day I went to the doctor's office and they explained to me how I had tumors alongside my lungs. They told me what was the next course of action in order to get rid of them. They told me how long I was going to take in the treatment. During that time, I hit rock bottom. I started to hear a voice in my head, which kind of felt like those old cartoons where there was a devil on one shoulder and then the angel on the other. Well, in this scenario, is a little bit different. Because I felt like I had one devil on one side and another devil on the other. And it became harder and harder. And the voice became stronger. During all this time, there were points where I would get in my car in the middle of the night and just drive. My next thought process wasn't the best. I would want to crash my car. I would find an empty spot on the freeway, drive as fast as I could, and prepare myself to hit a wall. But I couldn't. I wanted to. Every time. Time passed by and this feeling became greater. I was giving all these tools to my disposable to just end it all. I had medicine that I was taking that I could overdose. I had a car I could drive 100 miles an hour and hit a wall and not survive. Or drive over a cliff. I had knives in my house that I could easily cut my wrists with. But I didn't do it. I couldn't do it. And that's when the light inside of me that was left told me to get help. So I did. I started going to a psychologist, not knowing what to expect and not knowing if it was really going to help me. I explained to her everything that was going on and how I felt. After a few times of seeing her, she explained to me about something called cries of help. She explained to me how these cries of help are disguised into simple things that sometimes we don't pay attention to. After one or two sessions, we found out that my cry for help was a simple video of me driving, listening to music. Of course, the song playing was never a happy song. I would always post these videos on Instagram and Snapchat. I guess inside of me, I always wanted someone to kind of reach out and tell me, hey, are you okay? But of course, that wasn't the best way to seek for help. I should have said something to my friends. I should have said something to my family. But I didn't. I remember trying to leave hints of what was going on to some of my friends or my family. But I would never own up and actually build the courage to actually tell them that I was going through all this. I would make a joke about it or brush it off and say something like, nah, I'm just playing or change the subject. After a few sessions, I started feeling better. I started to get closer to my family again and I started being around my friends a little bit more. My depression isn't as bad as it was before. I could assure you those thoughts of suicide are laid to rest. They're gone. And I'm happy about it. I'm happy I'm alive. And I'm happy I'm getting the chance to share this story with you. Telling you all this wasn't easy. And... I could probably guess that it's not even easy hearing it. I know this particular podcast is kind of on the downside. But hey, 
I went through all of this to be where I'm at right now. Because God will never put you through anything you wouldn't be able to overcome. And he sure put that to the test with me. Because now comes the reason behind the nomads of tomorrow. I feel like I went through hell and back during all this time. And I want to shine a light on those people that have gone through the same thing or struggled through something getting to where they want to be, whatever their goal might be. So with this podcast, I will be inviting certain individuals that have caught my attention or vice versa. And they asked me to get invited to this podcast for them to share their story with me. And of course, all of you to show however many people out there that they are not alone, that I've gone through struggles and everybody else has gone through struggles. It might be different or it might be the same. We never know. But hopefully with this podcast, we will be able to know. Because at some point in our life, we realize that we are nomads. We're all looking for what's our mission in life. What is our legacy? And no matter what goal you have in life, it's always reachable. You just don't have to give up. Now, maybe me, myself, I can't really tell you how to reach your goal or what to exactly do. But maybe the people that I invite over onto this podcast can. Because maybe you have the same goal. Aspire to inspire. And with that, I want to say thank you for tuning in. I look forward to speaking to all of you. Whether it's through text or call or email or, hey, maybe you actually want to be on the podcast and share your story. So welcome to the Nomads of Tomorrow. I'll leave you with one of my favorite quotes. The key to immortality is first living a life worth remembering by Bruce Lee. See ya and have a great day.